there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. This morning I want to talk to you about something that I don't think has been preached on very often. Uh, in fact, I was laughing with Matt before, and he said, oh, you must have preached every Christmas for the last few years. Surely you're just regurgitating the same thing. Um, I know that's what preachers normally do. <laughs> Mike's nodding his head. Uh, but not today. Hooray! Um, I love that video because, um, number one, it's quite cute. Number two, apparently Kiwis are funny. Um, but number three, because it's... It's so amazing, isn't it, just how unexpectedly God worked when it comes to the Christmas story. Uh, like, they literally run through it. Like, send a baby. Yeah, that's, that's mad. Uh, we're going to send the most powerful person ever, and he's going to be so insignificant, no one's ever going to expect it. Uh, we're going to send him to two people that really that have no, they've got no experience parenting, because they were really young and not even married yet. Uh, they're, they're not really useful to much, because he's a carpenter, she's just a peasant girl, and yet God still went, they're the right people. And what I want to look at this morning is the place in which God sent Jesus. So uh, if you know the story of Christmas, we all know that Jesus was born in... One person, Jesus was born in a town called... Bethlehem. Good. I'm glad that we know that. Uh, okay, it's a bit worrying, so let's do some questions about Christmas and just make sure that before next week and we get loads of visitors in, we all know what the story of Christmas is. Is that okay? <laughs> Goodness me. Um, how many wise men were there? Three. three. Good. Apparently, traditionally, there were three. It doesn't actually say, yeah, all right, Sophie. <laughs> Uh, for those of you that know, does anybody know the three wise men's names that we talk about? Melchior, Melchior good. Yeah. Begins with a C. <laughs> Casper, very good. I'm impressed that you got two out of the three. Jeff. There's a film and all I've got in my head now is, my name is Jeff. Um, move on. Uh, what led the way to the birthplace of Jesus? A star. Good. More people are getting involved now. This is good. Uh, what lowly job was represented around the manger? Very good. The shepherds. Yeah. Do you reckon their eyes really did look like those twirls on the video? <laughs> Maybe when they saw the angel, it was like, wow. Uh, and the last question, as we've already answered, where was Jesus born? Good. So when people ask us next week some questions about the Christmas story, are we ready to answer them? <laughs> it's right, Mike's preaching so he can do all the answers, right? <laughs> unexpected. Everything was unexpected, especially the place that Jesus was born. Now, we sing, uh, or there's an old hymn called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Uh, Bethlehem was so small that it was really quite insignificant. Um, thank you, Zoe. <laughs> this is her new skill. I will try to avoid it as much as possible. Um, Bethlehem, really, when, when you look at it, was such a small place. 
like you would almost compare it to a little place on the outskirts of Bristol called Cabri Heath. <laughs> like genuinely, they talk about like up to a thousand people lived in the area. Now that seems like lots, but that's not really a lot of people when you consider the kind of area. Um, it wasn't well off, it was up in the mountains. And just outside of the city is where the shepherds would go to graze their sheep. That's quite cool, isn't it? Just like Cadbury Heath. <laughs> it was an unexpected place, and it's where God sent his son. Um, here's, here's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Um, in Luke chapter 2, it reads this. Max. If you have a Bible, why not turn to it with me as I find it? When you're there, say, I'm there. You cheat. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus, Quirinius, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room available for them. If you've ever been in church around Christmas, or if you've ever been to a school nativity, you've probably heard something along these lines. Yes? How many of you have ever stopped to wonder, like, this setting, like, why? Because I'll be honest, for me, it's always just been one of those things. Oh, yeah, Bethlehem, great. But what's really important is the people that God sent. Or what's really important is the way in which Jesus came. Or what's really important is how God set up this place, never the place. And yet this week, as I was preparing, as I was praying, my attention was drawn to this place called Bethlehem. And I have no idea why, or I do as I've unpacked it, but what I found really interesting is diving into this a little bit. Now, modern world, okay, really quickly, modern world. Uh, Nazareth, where Joseph and Mary lived, is in the West Strip in Gaza. right in the north of Gaza. Bethlehem is in the north of Israel, up in the mountains. I, I genuinely had no idea. I've never, ever looked into it. But what I've realized more and more is that the stuff that we read about in the Bible is the places that are really being affected right now by stuff that's going on. And I was having this conversation with a friend at work, and he said, oh, religion causes all these wars, doesn't it? And I was like, unfortunately, at this point, yes, it really does. It's by the by. Bethlehem, the importance of the village where Jesus was born. As I looked into Bethlehem more and more, I realized that in this small place, in this small area of a region in the Middle East, the history is so vast. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked into Bethlehem. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, and you're thinking, yeah, get on with it. I'm going to, I promise. Um, but New Testament, Bethlehem wasn't really significant. Old Testament, 
like the setup of the nation of Israel, Bethlehem is key, like crazy key. And all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like such an unexpected surprise that God would send his son to that place. Let me go through a little bit of the history. And I've got it written down, and I'm going to make sure I get this right, because it's important that we do. In Genesis 35, there is a story of Jacob. Jacob later becomes known as Israel. He is the father of the nation, which is quite cool. He had 12 sons. Many of you will know one of the sons because of his technicolor coat. His name was? Wonderful. Uh, What you may know is Joseph also had a brother called Benjamin. Now, they were the youngest of the brothers of of the youngest of the sons of Jacob. And they were the sons of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. Bethlehem is where Rachel was buried. There is still the setup, there's still a monument in Bethlehem to Rachel because she is considered to be one of the mothers of the nation of Israel. That's cool, isn't it? Now, the beginning of a nation and Bethlehem was right at the heart of it. That's quite cool. That's quite significant. There's a couple of stories in Judges that I'm not going to go into, uh, but quite key quite key events happened there. Like a prophet was saved by the, by the strength of God in Bethlehem. That's cool. Um, in 1 Samuel 16, there is, uh, sorry, I skipped ahead. The story of Ruth. Many of us will know it. Some of you may not. Ruth was a young lady who married a son of a lady called Naomi. Naomi, her husband, and her two sons originally came from Bethlehem. They moved from Bethlehem to Moab, which is where uh, where Ruth met Naomi's son. Naomi's sons died. Her husband died. She was left with two daughter-in-laws. One decided to stay in Moab. The other one went back to, Ruth, to Naomi's hometown of Bethlehem. From Ruth, or in that story, we, we read about how Ruth meets a man named Boaz. They fall in love. They get married. They have a son called Obed. Obed has a son called Jesse. Jesse has a son called David. David, in Bethlehem, in 1 Samuel 16, is then anointed by the prophet to be the king of Israel in a little town called Bethlehem. Insignificant, in the middle of nowhere, where shepherds graze their sheep, uprises a king. I find it quite incredible. The more that you look through it, um, there's incredible things that happen in Bethlehem. There are two of David's mighty men that work incredible acts in that place to make sure that David has supply of water and food when Saul is hunting him in a cave. And all of that happens around Bethlehem. Now, generations later, and I say generations, 28 generations later comes a little boy sent from heaven called Jesus from the line of David, which is why they were there. Now, I wonder, how many of you know what happened 28 generations ago in your family? How many of you know what happened four generations ago in your family? I have no idea. Three generations is pushing it. I think my great-nan, would that be three? Yeah, my great-nan. So I know three generations back in my family, but beyond that, I'm stuck. 
And, and this is what I was thinking as I was preparing, and, and I wonder if, if you maybe relate to this. Um, there would probably have been stories in the family of Joseph about where their heritage was. Like, I got married in a kilt because I was like, my family has some Scottish heritage somewhere. Now, I can't tell you a name, I can't tell you how far back it goes, but it's there. Somewhere? Imagine the kind of stories that would have happened in the family. Oh, don't you remember your great, 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 granddad, David. And they're all like, don't be stupid, we're not related to David. Don't be ridiculous. How could that be? In the family, it would have been like, yeah, whatever. Imagine the people outside of the family. The conversation of Joseph, who, who is a carpenter in Nazareth, says, oh, don't you know that I'm from the line of David? They'd have gone, don't be stupid. A carpenter from a king? Don't think so, mate. And yet, from this line comes the son of heaven. Um, as I was preparing, um, I felt God challenged me on something, and, and I believe it's a word for us this morning. Um, your heritage, what, what's come before you, the generations before you, can be one of two things. They can be a definition of who you are now, or you can step out from that. Let me, let me just explain that a little bit. Because um, when, when, you're the, when you're in the line of a king, there is great power that can come with that. But in the same way, what happens if you come from the line of a killer? You don't really boast about that as much, do you? Or if you do, then you're probably a bit of a psychopath. <laughs> um, you, you may come from a long line of... Poets. We'll go with poets. That doesn't necessarily make you a poet. But here's what I felt God was challenging me on this week. You may come in a family that is defined from generations before by divorce. That doesn't mean that your marriage will end in divorce. You may come from a line of a family that has been broken time and time and time again. But I believe with God you can change that. I believe that you, right now, can be the thing that breaks the bond of generations that have gone by. You may come from a line where, uh, of, where people have been alcoholic time and time again, generation after generation after generation, because oh, that's just what happened before. But I believe by the power of God, when you decide that you want to be more like him, you can break that now for the generations to come. And I was really challenged by that this week as I was preparing. I just felt God speak something to me that said, like, be the change now, if you need to be. If your heritage is one that is not something you're proud of, then be the change now. If your heritage is something that you're proud of, continue to champion it. Be the person that even when your friends look at you and say, you're not from the line of a king, you can be like, no, I am. Just look. Just look what God can do. Just look what he can do for me. And I really felt that as a challenge for, for us this morning as individuals, not as a church. Whatever your heritage may be, make it something that God speaks over you, not what people do. And so it was unexpected when the angels turned up to the shepherds and said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth 
the Son of God has been born. And they went, great, where? And they said, just down the road. And they went, don't be stupid. And he went, no, 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 follow that star and you'll see. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that God would choose the place of Bethlehem to send the saviour of the world, I don't think. And the second thing that I've been thinking about and praying about this week as I've been working through this is if Bethlehem was a place like Cadbury Heath, if it was the size of a small area like this, where people would consider it insignificant, where people may look at it and think, oh, nothing good comes out of there. But with God, what could he do? I've been really challenged not to be limited by the area that we are in. And, and I know, here's what God's really challenged me on. Yes, I'm moving away, but it doesn't change my heart for this area. And so my prayer is still, God, let this be a place where people recognize you moving. Let this be a place where something amazing happens, where people go out from it. Because David didn't get limited to Bethlehem. He went to Jerusalem, built temples, conquered nations, led a nation under the power of God. Imagine what that could look like if there was a David in this place today. The story of Ruth impacted generations. Just imagine what that would look like if there was a Ruth in this room today. And I really felt like God was challenging me, saying, why not Cadbury Heath? Why not that small area on the outskirts of Bristol? I don't know what the history is around here, but I can tell you what it looks like at the moment based on the government's stats. It's poor. It's unemployed. Nothing good comes out of this area. And I call rubbish. I say not with God. This is a place of prosperity. It may not be financial, but there will be hope. There will be something bigger that comes out of this place. I speak drive because I think the reason that people f feel like it's unemployed is because pe people don't have the drive to go and do but I call out of us as a church the drive to go and do the work that God has called us to. That we would be a place that is recognized for the good works of God. In Zechariah 4 verse 6, it says this, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says your Lord Almighty. How many of you look at yourself and think, I am not capable of what you're asking me to do, God? <laughs> time and time and time again, I look in the mirror and go, God, you've made a mistake here. Like, surely not. And yet, it's not by might, and it's not by power, because those are things that I can do, limited as it may be, but by his spirit, Incredible things can happen. A few verses later in verse 10, it says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I think way too often we can look at ourselves, look at our circumstances, look at where we come from and think, like, God can't do anything from this small place. Mm -hmm. 
we look at our setting here as a church and say, God can't do anything with that little building in the middle of a little suburb of Bristol. And yet, and yet, don't despise this small beginning because what God has planned for us, through us, with us, is far beyond what we could dream or imagine. All it takes is for us to be willing and to say, here I am, God, use me. Here I am, use me. Because it's not about where you start. It's not about where you're set. It's about what you're willing to do with him. And so like Mary and Joseph, who were a young, unmarried couple, by the time Jesus was born, probably married, I would guess they'd have sped it along, wouldn't they? Avoid the shame. A young couple who just went, I don't get it. I don't get it, but okay. And from that yes came the saviour of the world. From that little town called Bethlehem came the person that changed my life. I'm sure has changed your life. Has the power to change the world. And if we say yes, we get to be a part of that. So, I wonder this morning, what would it take for you to say yes? What are the things that you've said, I can't do that, God, don't you know? Because this morning, I believe that all it takes is for us to say yes, because it's not by our might, and it's not by our power, but it's by his spirit. And we've got an incredible opportunity next week as we open our doors at the time when people are most open to the gospel to share this good news. And you might think I'm not the right person to do that. I'm not Mike. I can't teach like he can. I'm not Sophie. I, I've not got the lungs like she does to sing. I don't think any of us do. You might look around and say, I'm not that person. But God's saying, I don't care that you're not them. What I care about is you. Will you partner with me? Can we work together? This is really awkward because I'm so distracted for a moment because both of my kids are pooing. <laughs> I can hear Harry really squeezing, and Zoe's just let a massive one rip right at the worst time possible. <laughs> it's a good job I'm not preaching next week because it'd be awful, wouldn't it? New people in the room, hey everyone, let's just draw attention to this. What I love is that in the small places we get to be family like this. So I, I, I'm so grateful that God has positioned us in this place for this time because we've learned how to do family better. And what we're taking with us is something incredible. I'm not going to despise the small beginning that saw us here. Not because we're stepping into something massive, but just because God's really prepared us. And we wouldn't have been able to do that. Don't despise where you're at. Don't despise where you began. Don't despise the Bethlehem in your world. Instead, embrace it. 